Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online and Fandraft. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. As always, joined by Sean Siegel uh, of Rotoviz.com, one of the co-owners, uh, one of the uh, best fantasy minds, uh, in my opinion, anyway, and a, and a huge amount of people's opinion in the industry. And uh, on today's show, we have a lot to talk about. We're actually going to look at some of the candidates for the race for wide receiver number one, a recent piece that Sean has put up on the website. And I'm looking forward to, to diving into this because the, the wide receiver classes over the last two years in the rookie uh, hemisphere have been very, very interesting. The development has been very impressive. And then obviously we have a rookie class coming in this year where myself and Sean and a lot of other people are very excited about some of the wide receivers in that group. So lots of stuff to look at in terms of that. So uh, we're going to have a little bit of a, a final kind of rapid fire, but at the end of the show, then we'll look at some tight ends uh, and a recent piece by Sam Wallace. We're going to look at some of the, the possible breakout second-year candidates at the tight end position. So that should be fun a little bit later. But Sean, uh, another another week in the books, another week's closer to the NFL season. Uh, how's things this week? Good. And like you said, uh, excited today to talk about some of the, the wide receiver one candidates looking a little bit at what it takes to be a wide receiver one the sort of stat profile the situation a receiver would need to be in and then sort of go through maybe the best case scenario for a lot of these guys see how many players uh even if it's more of an outside kind of chance could finish as that wide receiver one and, and figure out if that gives us any actionable information in terms of how we want to go about our drafts in those first four or five rounds and that kind of leads us into today's ffpc stat attack where we're going to look at at Michael Thomas. He had 374 fantasy points, a 33% target share, 725 yards, nine touchdowns, and 70 fantasy points over expectation. The points and points over expectation were both the best among overall wide receiver one finishes in the last five years. So uh, as I said, we're going to go into a little bit more detail on what a wide receiver one profile is. But Michael Thomas, as we all know, coming off of his historic season, was a very impressive wide receiver one for us last year. Yeah, incredible season by Michael Thomas. Uh, it's, it's just when you read off those numbers, they're almost uh, they're almost surprising just to hear how good they actually were when we look back on it. Uh, the FFPC obviously is the home of the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty Baseball and, of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join the league, head on over to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. 
And Sean, just before we get into um, the piece that we're going to talk about here in the wide receivers, I just want to give a shout out to uh, a recent podcast, uh, a very recent podcast, only came out on Sunday, uh, that you recorded with Curtis Patrick and Scott Barrett as well, a fantasy point, uh, the kind of reboot episode of the Dynasty Command Center up on Rotoviz Radio. Um, Curtis, obviously the Dynasty Commander himself, uh, phenomenal. Uh, almost, uh, I listened to it, and it almost two hours, and it was just, it flew by just with all the information. So big shout out there to you for jumping aboard with Curtis, and obviously Scott Barrett for getting in there too. But any of the listeners uh, looking for some content for a, a bumper two-hour dynasty talk, <laughs> head on over and check that out after today's show. And I guess when we're at it, talking about uh, podcast news, uh, big news on the, the DFS front is uh, combined a, a new team, a, a three-man team for the On The Daily podcast. Uh, a lot of our in-season listeners for many years will know On The Daily uh, as the DFS content. Obviously, we talk about it on a number of shows, but it is predominantly for that weekly aspect and uh, tj calkins along with um saletto a lot of people know obviously from the scottfish potathon and then our own man matt jones uh combining for that three-man crew so i guess uh, exciting times i i you know just we i put out a shout to see anyone interested in those roles uh maybe about two weeks ago and the influx of interested parties was uh, uh it was just amazing and uh, i have to say <laughs> when we look at the trio it was planned to be a two-man show just the talent uh, to put together that three-man team uh, we had to go with it so exciting times uh, on rotoviz radio sean uh, firstly i guess with uh, the kind of relaunch with um with the way curtis is going with the, the dynasty command center very exciting and to get those uh, trio ready for the dfs season is it's gonna be pretty fun yeah it was it was a real treat to be on that first reboot episode of the dynasty command center and we really appreciate scott coming on there as well he had a lot of cool insights as he always does and and one of the more fun people in the fantasy community uh certainly if you want to get on there and listen to someone having some fun having some uh interesting pieces of information and you know, really a, a fun person to to interact with back and forth. Scott was a, a great listen there. And yeah, we're ecstatic to have those guys on the DFS pod. So that'll be a must listen on on the weekend as you get ready to to put together those lineups. So we're very excited about that. And I uh, it things look brighter and brighter for the for Road of His Radio all the time. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. Really looking forward to the season. The team we've we've put together so much good content, and obviously shows like the Road of His Report with uh, Hassan and Blair will be uh, jumping back uh, into full and full kind of weekly mode uh, very shortly. So looking forward to getting all those guys back into the rotation. Uh, Sean, let's jump into the wide receiver piece. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Michael Thomas a moment ago. He clearly is the number one. Uh, first, I guess we'll start with the expectation. Is there your expectation, you know, is, is he still the guy to catch in 2020 or um, is it a little bit closer at the top than people might expect? He's definitely the guy to catch. I do think that in as crazy a season as we're likely to have and with Emmanuel Sanders, you know, going in there, perhaps finally giving another wide receiver to siphon off some targets that opens things up. And, you know, we know that little nagging injuries happen, that kind of thing. Perhaps, you know, the Saints are back in a situation where they are really dominating these games in the first half. Their defense plays well and they don't have to pass a lot in the second half of games there are a lot of ways that he could be held down a little bit and, and really all we have to look back is the previous year i mean michael thomas has been very good for a long time and yet deandre hopkins was the wide receiver one in 2017 and 2018 and 
a guy who's in the mix, Devontae Adams, someone who could have that kind of season where he has a a 30% target share, you know, 11, 12, 13 touchdowns. And so there are definitely competitors. And one of the things I wanted to do in this article is number one, kind of give us a baseline or a foundation for understanding what a wide receiver one season looks like and then number two go through a bunch of guys maybe deeper than most people would think is really realistic and figure out what the scenario would need to be for those players to make that big leap so we look at the the top 20 wide receiver seasons from the last five years 13 different players 18 of those seasons went over 300 points And from that group, Hopkins and Antonio Brown are the only players with three appearances in the top 20. And then Hopkins is the only guy who twice has been the overall wide receiver one, right? We look at those five wide receiver one campaigns from the last five years, and we see some themes emerging. Almost all of those campaigns, or all of them, 150 plus targets, most of them 160, 170 plus targets. All of them, except for Antonio Brown in 2016, had at least a 33% target share. And so when we look at what you're going to need to have, Brown was down around 26%. He also had the lowest number of total targets, which would be that 154. He obviously balanced that out with 12 touchdowns. The total numbers that year were a little bit lower. It's interesting because 2016, 2017, really sort of a doldrums period for elite wide receiver one scoring. Hopkins and Brown led with 307 and 312 points respectively in those two seasons. That's quite a bit different from uh, 2015 and 2019, where Julio and and Michael Thomas uh, both scored 370 or more points. If you're going to hit that level, I think our number of candidates probably decreases quite a bit. The 370 level, uh, very, very difficult to get guys in that range. But if we're looking at the, the 310, 315, 320, I think it opens it up for some more people. And we're going to go into some of those guys today. Yeah. And as you mentioned as well, like obviously Michael Thomas last year, 374 and a half points. And then Julio Jones and his monster year in 2015, 371 points. They are, you know, almost 40 points ahead of the third best. And that was DeAndre Hopkins in 2018. And there's still another 25 points ahead of DeAndre Hopkins in 2017. So that 310 range is probably what you're hoping to do. And if anyone goes ahead of that, you're into to very rare territory. Um, I think, Sean, you, you've highlighted in the piece here, I think what you're kind of looking to get to get into that kind of air, I suppose, is double-digit touchdowns and 1,500 yards, or else, obviously, a higher spike in touchdowns and slightly less yards. But that's kind of, if you can hit 1,500 yards and double-digit touchdowns, you're going to be pretty close to that. So when you were doing your list and looking through the, the best-case scenarios, is that kind of what you were starting off with, kind of looking at who could potentially hit both of those, or what was your outlook on this list yeah so the other thing that we kind of see there is that you're almost certainly going to need to be very efficient so you have to have a ton of targets but you can't (laughs) simply be a target hog i mean you're going to have to outperform those the worst numbers that we got in terms of fantasy points over expectation from that group was hopkins in 2017 at just over 30 fantasy points over expectation the following year he jumped up to 65 last year michael thomas at 70 so you're going to need to have that efficiency as well and as you mentioned a lot of that can come from touchdown scoring but you want to have a high catch rate you want to have a little bit of that vertical ability or uh, some type of ability to create yards per reception so you're either turning those air yards into yards through uh, 
having a high catch rate, having good yards after the catch, something like that. And, and I don't think it comes as a surprise to anyone that partly what we're saying here is that you have to have a lot of volume and you have to be very, very good, right? You're not going to see someone who is just a marginal <laughs> player who somehow uh, fell into a situation where their team didn't have anybody else. And so then you get a ton of targets and then you end up as the wide receiver one. That's not going to happen. So we're going to need some guys with real talent in the perfect situation. As we look at the top five, I don't think that they're – is anything too controversial about saying that any of those guys could be number one right Devonte adams he's been at the 30 percent target share level before doesn't have um people coming in to really take those targets aaron Rodgers, someone who has given big touchdown seasons even to peripheral receivers so adam's a, a pretty clear choice there uh going off the board at wide receiver two Tyreek Hill you know you have that four two speed and Patrick Mahomes and he's led the wide receiver position in fantasy points over expectation totally over the last three years and so we know we're going to get efficiency from him Julio goes without saying over the last three seasons number one in yards but number 18 in touchdowns if he could get in the end zone a few more times and at this point we we sort of have this expectation or, or it's established that Julio just isn't quite that guy and yet at the same time i mean none of us would be surprised if julio jones had a 15 touchdown season you're talking about a big athletic guy who's one of the best players of all time so if anything we almost might be primed to think well this that season is finally coming at some point maybe it'll be this year deandre hopkins going into that up-tempo air raid offense i mean i think he's poised to finish number one for the third time in six years there's there's no question about his talent and then we start to get into a more interesting range here. And, you know, I'll ask you what you think about some of these guys. The next four players in ADP, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Mike Evans. I've given a yes for one of these guys, a no for one of them. And then the other two are more qualified yeses. Who do you like here? Well, obviously, I'm going to spoil it for the listeners, but Alan Robinson is the, the no that you have in. And, you know, I, I'm a big Alan Robinson fan. The, the issue here is the quarterback situation is, you know, he, he can do so much, but uh, I don't think he can just, you know, jump into that top tier based on what I'm expecting. Maybe Nick Foles comes in and lights it up. I have absolutely zero faith in uh, Mitchell Trubisky at this point. Um, so, you know, that that's my big issue there. Um, obviously, you have the two Buccaneers uh, wide receivers. Both of them, I would be happy with both of those guys on the rosters. They're both yeses for you in this. And obviously, I think we'll see what happens now as training camps progress. But, you know, I know they have been working out uh, a little bit with Tom Brady um, and uh, as the rest of the Buccaneers have. But th- there is that concern, new quarterback, and how that offense all gels together. Um, but I, I think both of those guys, you know, if you're betting on talent, they're both very, very talented. I, I'd expect that to, to happen. Uh, Kenny Galladay, again, we talked about him a bit on last week's show. He's a yes with a question mark for you. Um, I expect him to, to do a lot. I just you know it's something that we've had a back and forth battle on uh, at times i agree with it as well as i'm just not sure as to the volume and how things work uh, for that detroit offense i've kind of bought into it enough times and it's kind of come back to bite me enough over the last couple of seasons um the one that i think is very very interesting and it's another yes with a question mark who uh, i don't know if you did mention his name and that list but he's the next on the list and that's dj moore i think there's a lot of potential like we obviously were were hugely hyped behind dj moore last year heading into it um i think it has value that we can get him at i know you hinted at this with alan robinson but i think dj moore is somebody in there who out of this group he has i think the chance to take the biggest leap um 
based on maybe what still some of the kind of mainstream's expectations for him are. Um, I, I expect uh, more to have a, a really big season. I think actually playing with Teddy Bridgewater could be something that fits really well for him. Um, and, and I think that there is a, a chance for him to take the jump in this list. Um, is he out of that list? Am, am I maybe... I know we we were all DJ more last year. Uh, do you think there's a cap there in what his ability is, or you know, if you're looking at seasons in the NFL versus projecting forward, I think he, he is the one that would excite me to draft out of this list. Yeah, I think that Chris Godwin is the guy from this group of five. However, he is more expensive than DJ Moore. You're not going to have nearly as much access to him where he's coming off the board really at that sort of round one, round two turn. Depending on your format, he may fall in the middle of the second round. But DJ Moore, you're going to have that shot at in the second round, the first half of the third round in most formats. And like you said, he's someone who needs that secondary breakout. He needs to add targets. He needs to add touchdowns. But he's outperformed probably what more of a realistic expectation would be in both his first season and his second season. Uh, we suggested he would do that, that he had the college profile, the athleticism, uh, the opportunity to hit those marks. And a secondary breakout now would really take him into the elite range. I think if you're a DJ Moore fan, you see that offense there. The question when you have you know new coaching, new quarterback, it, it might be something where DJ Moore is a little bit more of a overall wide receiver one candidate in 2021 but even if he can't finish in the very top spot this year he still looks like a good value relative to adp and so it's, it's better to maybe to be a year early than a year late if you're buying him next year maybe after he's had a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three finish in terms of overall spot so he finishes the number two or number three guy you know next year you're going to have to pay that full price to get him so we really like him at that spot there before we get into the second half of the show, I want to let you know about our friends over at Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back, and there's no better place to start betting and wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online has sat down with a number of former pro players, including Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember, use the promo code BLUEWIRE, that's all one word, BLUEWIRE, to receive your welcome bonus when you sign up to BetOnline. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. We're getting ready for fantasy football draft season. Are you ready to take your fantasy football league to the next level when it comes to drafting? You can do that with Fandraft, the online fantasy football draft board. Fandraft makes your draft feel like an actual NFL draft with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft clock, custom logos, walk-up songs, and multiple draft board displays and more. One of my favorite features that I've tested out is that they can also be used in-person drafts by exporting the display and using a projector or a large TV screen for the whole league to enjoy. I've just been testing these features and use them in my own drafts when it comes up to the time. It just looks fantastic, a really fun element to add to your draft it can also be used fully online and any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely fan draft also supports idps rookie only drafts keepers and just about any customization to meet your league requirements 
You can sign up for a free trial at fandraft.com. When you're ready to go and order a pro account, make sure you use the promo code RODOWIS15 to save 15% off your purchase. But you can also get on board, set things up with that free trial account, have a tour around and see what you think. Fandraft.com, bring your league to that next level. The next group I also have a lot of yeses by, and that would be Juju Smith-Schuster, Odell Beckham, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, and Adam Thielen. Right. So we look at Smith-Schuster. We've got a former 290-point scorer now reunited with a stud passer. He's got those secondary targets around him to keep the defense honest. I think that that is really the balance that you want there. I don't think that those secondary guys are so good that they're going to cannibalize his target share his total targets but i think it'll make him efficient again somebody who uh, when you score 290 points at the age that he did the idea that he could jump into that 310 320 330 range i don't think that's difficult to see at all Odell beckham he's a little bit more of a red flag guy and jack miller has a great article a, a lot of longtime listeners will know that blair andrews did a study and actually john moore did one uh, back in the very very early days of rotoviz all those guys kind of looking at what happens when elite wide receivers change teams and it's not good right the numbers tend to fall off a little bit so you have to be willing to understand there's a little bit of risk what jack did was he came back through and looked at what happens then in the next year after that and the answer again was was fairly disappointing uh there aren't a lot of those guys who actually bounce back to being the stars that they were before that being said when you're talking about odell beckham and especially when you're now talking about an odell beckham who maybe is healthy again you know beckham has had a lot of these behavioral (laughs) sorts of issues i don't think there's a you know really uh you know more political way to say that i mean he he doesn't necessarily do what you would like him to do right and it, it seems like those are maybe some of the things holding him back but maybe it's just simply an injury and now that he's healthy he's going to come you know roaring out of the blocks especially if, if Jarvis Landry is maybe a tiny bit limited when you've got a guy who has three 1300 yard double digit touchdown seasons to say that he couldn't finish number one would probably not be accurate yeah I agree and I'm just I'm just disappointed at this stage that the Odell that we've seen through those first couple of years and probably looking back now might not have been realistic to hope that that was going to happen but it just seemed like it was something that was never going to end in terms of the highlights and the production and I think that we will see highlights and we will but I just don't think it'll be ever to the consistent like monstrous of a level that it was uh, through those early years like uh, I'm just going to put a rapid fire question to you here Sean you have Odell Beckham you have Juju Smith-Schuster on the board you're making that pick between the two for me it's a clear lean towards Juju um you know and that point um is it Juju for you or is it close like there there is basically they're basically a tie at ADP at the moment yeah their ADPs are the average ADP is absolutely identical there at 35.3 I think that yeah i mean for me it it is going to be juju i think you have more red flags with beckham uh beckham done it has done it more times and is the better athlete he may be in the offense that has more room to break out and so uh, there are plenty of reasons to like him there but i think you go with the the guy who is is just going to break back out and and have that uh 10 touchdown season very very solid i think that the floor with smith schuster even with how bad last year was i think the floor for him is very very high 
speaking of someone with a high floor, but maybe doesn't have the ceiling. So he'll be one of our first no's. Amari Cooper, his target share has topped out around 22%. And now we have CD Lamb joining the mix. Cooper, he's one of those guys we like. You know, you've been on record in the past saying you thought he could get to wide receiver one. But with what he's sort of established himself as now in terms of volume and adding more competition to the mix, he's probably a guy I would look at as a good buy, but not someone who has the potential to be that wide receiver one. Yeah, I think if you're setting up your draft and you're you're looking through it, obviously, and we, you mentioned earlier, but you know, Chris Godwin, like if you get Chris Godwin at you know the twenty first or twentieth spot, somewhere around that range, or even if it's a little bit earlier, DeAndre Hopkins, and then you're coming back for another wide receiver, you know, having him as a wide receiver too on your roster is going to be something of a, a strength, I think, definitely. There is other people in this range that we're talking about, including Juju, and then the next one who there's a question mark beside the name of Calvin Ridley, who I might be uh, leaning towards as well, but we'll we'll go to him and a minute but the thing with amari cooper is the dallas cowboys offense the way it gets spread around it is heavily involved in the running game cooper has those big breakout weeks but he also has a lot of those weeks then where it's not really and, and and it is a trend when we look back on it it's like it's been consistent that he's had those big big weeks and then had uh you know weeks where it's not just going to be as, as good for your fantasy lineups but there's no doubt in my mind that cooper has the talent and he has the ability but the consistency whether that's him whether that's the play call whether that's the offense um even whether that's the quarterback and how how it's used i just don't know if it'll like I, I don't see it all coming together in dallas this year for him to be the wide receiver one and i have said in the past that i thought he i think it might have been two seasons ago uh, prior to his trade that I, I called that and it worked out pretty well after the trade but didn't work out too good for his final run there in Oakland but uh, I just think that there, there's too many pieces that would have to fit together for that to happen but if you can get him on the roster at this current ADP I, I think he's still somebody who's you know good to have on the roster but I, I don't think he'll make the jump to wide receiver one now the first one on the list who has another teammate on the list is i mentioned calvin ridley um obviously julio was number four um if you were picking one of them i think you still have to go with julio based on uh, year-on-year production but we we obviously again very high on calvin ridley and his breakout opportunity last year this year now hooper is out of town at the tight end position it's him and julio they're a team that love to throw the ball uh kind of the, like when i'm looking at cooper it's something that i'm kind of downgrading him on but ridley there should be plenty of opportunities what's your thoughts on him are you you still as high on him as we would have been this time last year obviously there's a huge change in adp and like we we touched on there with dj moore do you think the second the secondary breakout is, is set to come from Ridley? He's the guy where I think the season will be very interesting because you know you look at DJ Moore, everybody is on board with DJ Moore and his talent. It's a matter of you know what will the offense allow him to do in this season versus where he'll be in the future. Not everybody is on Calvin Ridley, right? There is a lot of uh, there's internal disagreement at rotovez out in the greater fantasy community obviously a lot of people love him a lot of people are pretty skeptical and see him mostly as your very solid maybe high-end uh, number two receiver in terms of even on his team right to where if julio jones isn't there then maybe he doesn't function as well because he's not a guy who can get it done himself he needs to have the defense focused elsewhere and then he can take advantage of, of some of these openings some of these opportunities i'm a little bit more of an enthusiast and think that he could be ready to take the next step Uh, with how good julio has been and was last year we wouldn't expect this just absolute collapse unless there was an injury right 
Julio looks like a guy who could continue to have elite performances for a number of more years. At the same time, if you did see a little bit of a step forward from Ridley and a step back from Julio and they flipped roles, you'd be potentially looking at a version of Julio Jones who maybe didn't have whatever weird touchdown liabilities that Jones does have. I mean, Ridley has shown through two seasons that he is very, very good at finding the end zone. And again, much of that may simply be the attention that Jones gets and how much easier he makes it for the other guys. But we've talked a lot at Rotoviz through the years about the value of these big wide receivers and that they tend to score touchdowns better, that they're more difficult to replace in terms of the specific things that they do, even as reality players, and that you should be looking at these guys. At the same time, it's definitely the case that there are individual smaller receivers who can be just flat out awesome right and you know we have antonio brown uh driving that home throughout his career you know you look at someone like a marvin harrison and i don't think that people think of calvin ridley as being in that conversation but we have to give him credit for what he's done right i mean few people have actually been better than calvin ridley through two years and if you look at calvin ridley compared to antonio brown through two seasons you can see how far ahead he is now the expectations are different because of where they were drafted and and had antonio brown been drafted where calvin ridley was maybe the Steelers would have used him in a role where he would have been immediately fantastic right so it's it's apples and oranges but in terms of where a guy like ridley could be and where he could go to I think that he has that upside. Now, you know, is he one of the most likely guys to finish as the overall wide receiver one? Uh, definitely not. But I do think that there's more of a scenario for him to get there than what a lot of people are giving him credit for. Yeah, and I think there's definitely a scenario. Like, and you know, I, I've mentioned already how much I like uh, Julio Jones. Been a, like just one of my favorite players. Him and Megatron, probably, if I was going through favorite players over the last kind of decade of watching, uh, just for the sheer athletic capabilities that they have. But when we look at, like, uh, you know, I think it might have been two seasons ago we were having that kind of conversation with uh, Juju Smith Schuster. And could he, at the end of the season, finish with more fantasy points than Antonio Brown and the Steelers? And kind of, you know, I, I, it's still that scenario. Like, could he finish with more than Julio Jones? I would say possibly unlikely, but the one thing that I would give him a big edge, in, and you mentioned with Julio and the touchdown side of things, Calvin Ridley over he's played in the NFL for two seasons. He is a bit older than some people would expect. He's going to be 26 before the end of the season, but he has a double-digit touchdowns as a rookie, so 10 touchdowns that year, seven touchdowns last year. He's on 17 touchdowns through two seasons, and we talked earlier about how somebody like a DJ Moore needs to get those touchdowns like dj moore through two seasons has six touchdowns so that means calvin ridley has found the end zone 11 more times and you know if you were looking at who's likely like he, he has proven that he is capable of getting touchdowns and with somebody like hooper no longer there who was a kind of big red zone threat for for them last year it should free up some more of those looks and you know he has he has that upside to, to possibly get double digit touchdowns again so if he can add those yards now he would need to kind of almost double his yardage totals but you know the last two seasons he's averaged just over 90 targets per season uh so then that led to just over 60 receptions and he's averaged in the 800 yard range both seasons so he does need to up the yards but the, the touchdowns could be there if he gets an increase in those targets so i do definitely think like there's there's a path to him based on where his volume is at the current moment he's going uh, at wide receiver or sorry at uh, adp of 40 um you know in terms of where he's going so that's the 14th wide receiver on this list as well sean so i i think there's like if you're looking at some of the other players who are maybe going higher than him you know 
like Kenny Gold is proven getting into the end zone as well. But I just think there's there's I think there is a path for him, maybe not to get all the way to number one, but to to creep into the the back end of that top five. Um, so I think he's somebody who's interesting this season. We're going to go a little bit faster through a couple of guys here. We have a list, Sean, here of five guys. I'll give you the floor to talk about which one you're most intrigued by on this list, and that's Adam Thielen, AJ Brown, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Terry McLaurin. We've had on a few of these guys recently. We talked about Cup. We talked about Woods. We talk all the time about McLaurin uh, and AJ Brown's obviously a favorite. Probably haven't touched as much on Adam Thielen, but out of this list, is there anyone that you want to highlight uh, for the listeners? Yeah, Thielen is a guy who uh, Neil Dutton wrote a really cool article on recently talking about all the risks that he had there. Uh, Madison Parkhill has him as a target and hopefully is going to have a little bit more of a response piece to what Neil has written. Thielen, I think another example of those guys where he actually could be overvalued. And yet, if we're talking about players who could finish as the wide receiver one, I don't think there's any question that Adam Thielen could be. I mean, he's only a year removed from a 309-point finish. If his target share jumps with the absence of Stephon Diggs and he can somehow maintain that fantastic uh, efficiency that he has with Kirk Cousins in an offense that maybe doesn't have the other guys there to pull the defense then that's exactly the recipe for a wide receiver one finish aj brown similar issues to what we have with dj moore where at least in 2020 the situation still doesn't look very good but i put him on here as a yes because you know are we saying that the next andre johnson couldn't be the overall wide receiver one i think that he could be (laughs) cooper cup a guy i'm betting against but we've talked about him on the show where he could be a sneaky uh player to finish up top the range of outcomes tool really likes him did an article on that and for him to finish as the wide receiver one i think it would need to be one of those years where the overall finish is very very low in that 300 point range i mean he's not a guy who's going to go out there and score 350 370 points but the ro does like him robert woods love him as a reality player he's someone who's not going to be the overall wide receiver one we've talked about some better options for him at his price and then mclaurin uh if we were to see someone take that massive leap in year two, then he could be the guy that gets there. He's almost in a sort of an AJ Brown scenario, but worse right there with Washington. At the same time, I think if his QB, if Dwayne Haskins comes out and actually plays the way he played at Ohio State, if he's a completely different guy, uh, this Washington team should be trailing all the time. It'll be different than Tennessee in terms of you know where they are passing in the second half of games. We've talked a lot about the uh, air yard share. So not the total number of air yards, but the share of air yards that he had last season for his team. And uh, again, Washington, not a team that has actually brought in a lot of competition for him. I mean, he could lead the NFL in so many of the volume categories. And then with how good he looked as a rookie, I mean, he would be that guy who could come out of this 50 plus range in terms of overall ADP and finish as the wide receiver one yeah i think he's a must must like draft candidate at the price and there is a lot of question marks around washington around the franchise around what happens with the quarterback you know in year two lots and lots of question marks but uh, what i've seen from him as a rookie and if we can you know if we look at where he's been drafted there's just so many positives um you know the, the sky's the limit of things if things go right for him uh going to go through sean the rest of the list here and we'll let the listeners dive into the rest so we have dk metcalf dj chark tyler lockett Cortland sutton 
Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton, and Stefan Diggs. Uh, three of those guys fallen into the nose, and that was Tyler Lockett, Keenan Allen, and T.Y. Hilton. Um, so it's it's an interesting and intriguing bunch uh, there to finish off, and it's interesting to see Seahawks. Uh, there's a couple of teams with two players making the list. You have the Seahawks, you have the Rams, uh, you have the Falcons that we talked about earlier. Um, so when we look about it here, Sean, I'll let you highlight one other name. Uh, any of those guys that you want to want to spotlight before we wrap things up? Well, Chark is someone we've also been drafting everywhere. He has maybe that best combination of athleticism and offensive role in the league. Uh, we like the Jaguars maybe a little bit more than the community does. Uh, before we let it go, one of the things I would mention here is that there probably were more people that I gave yeses to than would have been expected. One of the other things that we talk about uh, in the second half of this article is how we get these unexpected leaps into the wide receiver one conversation so if you're looking to figure out you know who could be the real surprise candidate the article has that information for you talks about someone like an andre johnson who you know i think back on him and it seems like he had 1500 yards every single season he's actually a guy who in year six put up 322 fantasy points when he hadn't scored uh, more than 250 before that and so talk a little bit about him and talk a little bit about some of the other players who come from nowhere uh, it's rare that that happens <laughs> i think it probably goes without saying that it's rare that it happens but it does happen and so we want to be aware of some of those guys who might come from almost nowhere to be in this conversation the article will give you some hints on how to find those players yeah and almost like you hinted at dj chark there he, he obviously didn't finish wide receiver one last year but he came from absolutely nowhere so if you can find those kind of values um as you get ready to draft it's going to be a, a huge boost to your success at the end of the season before uh, we do wrap up we're going to have a little bit of an overtime segment going back to uh, a little bit earlier in time. we used to always have overtime segments maybe we'll have to influence and get those back in again but uh, going rapid fire here a piece with sam wallace identifying second year breakout candidates we have tj hawkinson whose best ball adp is currently tight end 12 um obviously coming into his second season like everyone on this list i suppose would, would make sense no offense the other one uh, adp tight end 15 and then we have Irv smith jr uh, at tight end 23 sean i know we've talked about Irv smith uh, on the show we've talked uh, about hawkinson and i know there's a few wrote of his podcast recently really hyping up hawkinson um i guess um, i'll put you on the spot as fans somebody of interest um for for 2020 he is and, and i think that this broncos offense is ready to explode uh in part because i i, I was pressed into it by uh, you know, how late it was but i just selected drew lock in one of our wrote of his staff of best ball leagues and one of the things with both sutton who appeared on the previous list that we'd been discussing and then fant is that they could actually be the beneficiaries of all of the hype surrounding the rookies i think those rookies are going to be very good we did have john elway talking about how it's going to be frustrating because maybe they wouldn't make the impact in 2020 that he had hoped simply because of all the things that are going on right now if this broncos offense exploded and we were still a year away from having big contributions from judy and hamler then sutton and fant are priced in a way that i mean you're really already getting that discount as if those rookies are going to perform and so you know we like the upside there especially for fant as opposed to sutton for example uh what you have to pay to find out if he's going to get that breakout uh, is not something that is going to kill your roster even if you're wrong and so i think he's an interesting guy there now we talked about 
Hawkinson, we love him. I'm surprised at his price because even though you mentioned, you know, we have had a lot of different hype pieces, hype shows on him, uh, he still goes in a range where you don't have to reach to get him. And one of the things here, uh, my understanding is that he is one of the Lions who has been put on the COVID list. They have a number of their stars in this group now. Uh, Colin, for you, when we're looking at this to where, you know, ideally the vast majority, if not 100% of these NFL players who may be struggling with the virus in some way, shape, or form, hopefully all of them will come through very cleanly and will be healthy again uh, in no time at all. With some of these guys and maybe a team like the Lions, who has a lot of players on the list, are you factoring that into where you're drafting them at all? I am factoring it in. The thing that's really difficult with with this situation is there's really no way to predict it. Like it could be that somebody's on the list and then you know they're they're fine. Then there's no no problem. It could be somebody develops some sort of complications from it and misses a portion of the season. At the minute, it's just so difficult to judge as to what that's going to happen. And you know somebody being on the list now is that actually an advantage that they're you know they're on the list now and they're not on the list come you know the week before week one like it's just impossible almost to to judge it so at the moment i haven't really changed a huge amount of how i would be selecting players or drafting players uh, based on it because realistically you know we could look at a situation in four weeks time where somebody who we're thinking we should like we can draft now with confidence is on the the list you know so are, are you taking it into much consideration obviously it's a concern but it's a concern for every player that could potentially be on it at any point over the next i guess uh, six months I think I have a similar approach to what you're discussing there. We don't know uh, really. There's so little information with it. It it does concern me that the Lions have a number of their main players on there. Uh, It it feels like this is going to be a team that's going to have a hard time practicing and gelling for next season. Hawkinson, uh, for all of the upside, there are some really huge injury risks with him even before you get to maybe any sort of virus-related concerns. He's someone where we're actually hoping that he's 100% physically otherwise and then probably needs some practice you know, with Matthew Stafford if he's going to make that leap. He's in this very odd situation where I would consider him to be an almost no-brainer, almost complete lock to make that leap. Now, there's a difference between making the leap to a very playable type of tight end to making the leap to Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. I don't think we can ever say that someone is a, is a lock to make it there, but but he's going to be a good player as long as his various injuries don't hold him back. But those those injuries are a real concern, and one of the reasons why his price is where it is, where you know you can get him without too much difficulty, uh, considering how last season went for him. I would really like to see him. Galladay, Matthew Stafford practicing together early in training camp, and it now looks like that may not be the case. On the other hand, perhaps like we've seen with some of the baseball players as they were going into sort of their second startup, you know, they'll test positive and then they'll clear very shortly. In which case, people drafting Hawkinson right now, I think, are getting a good deal. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Hopefully, all players across the league and anyone who's suffering with it worldwide, you know, you know, get, can make it through it and everyone can get into good health uh, as soon as possible. Um, but what I would say is, like, if you look at him, you look, I know we were saying this was rapid fire. We've changed our <laughs> decision there. But when we look at Fant, we look at uh, Hawkinson. If you are drafting, you know, we've talked a lot about drafting one of those elite tight ends, one of those kind of you know, like a Kelsey, like a Kittle. If you get one of those guys and then you're you're lined up with these guys, then as a secondary option, uh, you know 
know it's it's something that can be very exciting for those lineups uh, we're going to save this for another day sean you mentioned that you drafted drew lock um we're like we, we are all we're very excited about this broncos team we haven't talked about them a lot but it's uh you know at some point a bit like when we were excited about uh, the receivers in jacksonville and then we're now we're, we're excited about the quarterback position there with gardner Minshew. um maybe we'll have to start getting a little bit excited about Drew Locke over the next couple of weeks but we'll save that for another show uh, and that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast as always you can get a discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass by applying the code 2020 RV Radio at checkout you can go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for further information and you won't regret that there's just so much good content up on the site so many great tools jump aboard now and get yourself that 10% discount that's going to do it for today's edition of the show my name is Colin Kelly you can follow me on Twitter at over to Ireland as always check out the phenomenal work that Sean is doing up on the rotavis.com website and he's he's doing a little bit of a tour around a number of different podcasts but as I mentioned at the start of the show make sure you check out the Dynasty Command Center episode as well with him Curtis Patrick and Scott Barrett until we're back on Thursday with another episode have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.